join the Salady Mania podcast. I'm your co-host Nadine Sue, and thank you for being here for episode four. By my side, I have our sound engineer, Mark Mondoy. And ladies and gents, here is your host, Benson Sue. Welcome, guys. Hey. Yo. Glad to be here. Uh, can you can you call me Born Ready from now on? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I'm I'm not convinced you were born ready, but we'll just say Benson Sue. All right. That's it. That's born all. Ready sounds way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. I want to go around the room here and ask you guys something. I'm going to break the ice. So what's your happiest moment of the day, guys? And honey buns. Oh, back to honey buns. <laughs> okay. what, what was, tell me, what's your happiest moment um, of the day? Okay. Well, as an adult and father of four <laughs> kids, um, you know, I wake up every day. I go through the routine, right? used to getting the kids ready for school, getting them dressed, all that stuff, all, you know, all the responsibilities that comes with being an adult. Um, on Sundays, I always look forward to this. Sunday mornings, I get up at, you know, 7, 7.30, and I go for a bike ride. Um, that was my favorite part of the day because that's the time I get to myself, and I, I, I can depend on that time. I have, you know, two hours, or actually, it's actually like two and a half to three because, you know, I'll, I'll go for like a 20-mile bike ride, um, I have time to myself and my own thoughts. I get to meditate about, you know, like today I got to meditate about um, the podcast and the things I wanted to talk about. Um, but that's like my me time for the week. Do you so. meditate with your eyes closed while you're riding your bike? Um, no, <laughs> I keep my eyes open. Uh, I think that's important so I don't fall into a ravine or something. So. I feel like you need to close your eyes when you meditate. But, no. Okay. No, I don't. It's just you know, I get in like a mental zone where whatever's going on, uh, I don't, you know, I'm not really thinking. It's it's like I'm on autopilot, you know, so sometimes. So all the bums with knives on the bike trail, oh, you no. forget about it. Is that, is that, that like the true. only two and a half hours, three hours you get to yourself the entire week? No, I, I do yes. get some. It's Other not, it's not as On the toilet? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't get quiet time on the toilet. I'll get maybe like <laughs> two minutes and then, you know, knock, 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 daddy, you know, it's. <laughs> That's not my quiet time right there. But uh, yeah, I, I get to depend on that. You know, the rest of the week, I kind of play by ear. Sometimes I can get like 30 minutes of exercise here or there or, um, you know, but the drives, the drives home are not quiet. I've got like, Daddy, I got a question or, you know, she's bothering me or whatever. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, that time is, is my time. So, you know, that that's always really nice. And I get to exercise for like as long as I want. So yeah. Um, well, so, yeah. thank you for sharing. That was my happy time today. Mr. Bike Rider. <laughs> okay. Mark, what about you? What was your happiest mo moment of the day? It sounds trite, but right now. Oh. Because, well, I mean, setting up this podcast, there's there's quite a bit to do just to get things set up and ready to go. And, you know, there's there's anxiety, just like, oh, I got to sort this out, sort that out and whatever, just getting it all ready. And the moment I hit record, it's time to go. And like, you know, getting the chance to just, we're doing it. Like, you know, it's my favorite time because we're doing it. Yep. So. No more checking. Are this we already? Like, we are like yeah. moving forward. It's and your the, happy the time well, until you find out something's exactly. not <laughs> if, if anything, like in my head, things are set up perfectly. So if anything goes wrong, I'll worry about that later. But right now, I'm happy because we're good to go. All right. Good. Thank you for sharing. That was really sweet, what Mark. What about you? Oh, well, me, I'm happy because I get to see an old friend today and our guest um, today, who I will introduce in just a second, is an old friend. And, you know, we haven't seen him. I, geez, I don't know. 
I saw him it, seven years ago, but I don't think you were there. I don't think I saw him. I mean, it could have been 15 years. I don't know. You are, you know what? You were pregnant, and so I was at the track with him How that dare day, you? but you weren't. How dare you? Well, yeah, I don't know. It's been a really long time. It could have been 15 years. I don't know. I haven't seen him, and, and I'm just so happy that we're all vaccinated and we can be together today yep. in the studio sitting at a table in person with everybody and in our wonderful podcast studio, like I'm just that Mark has set up for us. Like, thank you, Mark, for putting in the time. And, and we have video cameras today because we're giving a stab at putting us on video. I didn't tell our guests that either. Kind of dropped that. Well, on we don't know right if it'll now. work or not. We'll see. But <laughs> I'll worry about that later. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy that I feel like things are... This is what the podcast is all about, like having someone with us at the table yep. and catching up old times. I mean, it's good stuff. So it's 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 good, happy moment. So, yes. Okay. All right. So with that said, let's move into our next segment, which is our formal introduction of our wonderful guest today. And this is our second guest on the season that is not a driver. And so here we go. He was a driver. Well, I mean, he's not a D1 driver. Okay, maybe he, maybe I shouldn't say that. Is that mean? Is that a diss? No, that's not a diss. No. Drifter? I instructed half of them. Though. Oh, you can't talk yet. They don't know it's, it's a- you. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Moto, Spoiler alert. they don't know it's Moto. <laughs> Moto, get back. Okay. Get back in your yes. box. <laughs> okay, he was not... Like front and center driver. He wasn't, he wasn't, he was always, he was always behind the scenes. And that's what's really sweet is that he actually was a driver, but he chose to be helping, he chose to help us. So anyway, without further ado, here's a formal introduction of our guest. Motomiwa is from Osaka, Japan and currently lives in Torrance, California. Moto grew up in Japan and is a self-proclaimed car guy. Since the age of two years old, he moved to San Francisco at the age of nine when his dad had this vision to be a noodle guy in the USA. And this was in 1978 when Michael Jackson was still clearly a male person and chips wasn't about Doritos, but it was about two cops on a bike. Moto went to Gonzaga University and studied operations management in international business. For 16 years, Moto was a translator for Boy Scouts of Japan. I didn't even know this. Over the years, while he was running his Japanese restaurant chain, Moto consulted for D1 Grand Prix, Falcon, RSR, GT Live, Formula Drift, and currently consults for Cusco USA and RSR. Moto also consulted for the chief engineer on the creation of the FRS and BRZ just before their release and also started the 86 Dynamic Drifting Academy. But also in 1998, Moto founded Club 4AG and co-founded Drift Association LLC, which was the first event sanctioning body for drifting in the USA. They hosted USA's first Drifting 101 practice days. And all of us sitting around this podcast table, we all attended these practice days and learned how to drift at these practice days hosted by Drift Association. If it wasn't for Moto's organization, I would have never learned how to drift. And yo, this podcast wouldn't have a history of drifting to tell. 
That's why you're on the show today, Moto. So, Moto, welcome to the show. Yay, welcome, Moto. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that grant. <laughs> thank you so much for being here, Moto, in person. In person, yeah. I, I mean, know. It's just uh, good timing, I guess, huh? Totally. A year and a half almost of doing nothing. and <laughs> <laughs> Finally got to get out of the house. Yeah. See faces in real life, yeah. See faces. And yeah. yeah. IRL. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So we ask a lot of our guests this question just to break the ice. And that is, um, you know, when we first get into cars, with our first car, we don't really know a lot. And we do silly things that we think it, at the time might be smart, but looking back on it, we realize how silly it was. Um, is there something that you remember doing to your car like that? Doing to the car or? Modif- yeah, modifications or. Modification. Wow. You sound so nice, silly. I say dumb, <laughs> like something's dumb. I know. Well, I, you know, I had I had my little girls in my head, like, yeah, don't say I dumb. That's a bad word. I think I think I still do dumb things. <laughs> it doesn't go away. Huh? Yeah, it doesn't go away. I got my license in '85, 1985, and uh, been a driving enthusiast even before that. But uh, yeah, even to my bicycles before I got my license, I was mm. doing all kinds of dumb stuff. Tell do you us your, your most- bicycles. Huh? Did you drift your bicycles? Yeah, bicycles, trikes before that. Everything. And uh, yeah, those walker things when I was learning how to walk as a two-year-old. And I was <laughs> sm- I was, my mom tells me this story. <laughs> We'd watch racing with my uh, you know, uncles yeah. and whatnot. And, uh, after watching racing, I'd be smashing my walker things all over the walls and <laughs> good thing you got that out of the way when you were two because i don't think i've ever seen you smash a car i've smashed a few yeah few okay yeah. what's uh, your most reckless crash reckless crash okay this was <laughs> when i was i believe it was 16 about half a year after i got my license i my mom bought this beautiful 85 cursida mm. <laughs> you know, white you know, leather interior. Ooh, fancy. Yeah, it was awesome, you know. My, and I had this little Honda Civic, which was also nice, you know, the CRX twin, the, the Civic with the four yes. seats. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I got my mom's car, and, you know, knowing that it's a twin cam six-cylinder engine under there with rear-wheel rear wheel drive, I mean, I drove it straight into a lamppost <laughs> in the middle of a center divider sideways. <laughs> that was probably my first drifting experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, on purpose? Off, no. Well, <laughs> I could say it's on purpose, but uh, yeah, uh, I was coming off a downhill off ramp. One of those, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Comes from a, a an overpass to a, a street that goes underneath it. It's coming off, and then it's going a little bit too fast, and. There's sprinklers going on at mm. the, on the road uh, at the bottom. Plus, you were not oh. expecting it to you be know, wet. Watering the center divider yeah. lawn, and the, and the road is completely wet, and I just completely lost a tail Whoops. on it. Perfect storm. Smashed it. It <laughs> 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 was a six-month-old crescent. Oh, oh boy. So that was my first crash, too, I think, yeah. Nice. Okay. 
Do you get busted, or does she? She's so worried. She's like, "Oh, it's okay, honey." Yeah, my or, mom was worried. My mom was happy that I was still alive because oh, she saw the good. car and the thing was like mangled. Nah, <laughs> wow. But yeah, my dad didn't speak to me for six months. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't even know what I would do if any of our kids did that to our cars. Oh, my goodness. I don't want to think about that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay. Okay. So, also, I have a story to tell. Um, Moto, you, whether you know it or not, you are one of the reasons why I did this podcast. Um, Ooh. Okay. And <laughs> so, what happened was um, it was during COVID times and, um, you know, we were recording a podcast for Drifting Pretty. And you shared on Facebook an old photo album of the old drift days. It was kind of like a just a compilation of, of photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw you post it, and I was excited to see like uh, all the old memories and stuff. And I was looking through it, and I got through the end, and I was like, wait a minute. I'm not in these at all, oh, and neither is Nadine. Busted. And, and I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I know why. And um, it was because... Antonio, who I had a falling out with, took those photos. And so all those photos were an album of his photos. And, and I felt, I, I didn't know how to feel about it. I was like, I was like, I was happy to see all those other people, but I wasn't ecstatic that I was completely missing from it because I felt like um, Nadine and I, we, we, we worked hard um, staffing those events. And I felt like, um, I had, I had my fingerprints on some of the stuff that you guys did, and that made me think of this podcast. Where starting this podcast was a, a way of making sure that stories that I knew about wouldn't get lost in history, or not lost in history, but just lost in time because no one was telling them. So I want to thank you for sharing that album. Um, <laughs> Because it, it really inspired me to, to do this for other people so that uh, their stories wouldn't be lost. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of my regrets, too. I mean, during that, that whole start of drifting and the whole decade, I, yeah, it's, it's about, a, about 10 years. You know, I, I don't have many pictures that I took of my own. Everything just right. happened so fast and multiple things were going on at the same time. We were so busy. Yeah, I mean, and and cell phones didn't take right pictures back then, right? You know? so, right. So yeah, I don't I don't have many footages. I, I didn't have time to gather everybody in one spot for group photos. I mean, yeah. it's just so many things I could have done thinking back. And well, when we're in the middle of doing those things, we <clears throat> we didn't understand um, what was actually happening, the no. importance of it all. No, it was just evolving. Yeah. Quite rapidly. Very rapidly, yeah. Qual- you know, every event, there'd be another inquiry or task or a project that would land and uh, or constantly, you know, making things happen. Right. And, and modifying things yeah. and tacking on new things, um, being, being asked to... To, to become partners with more and more people, um, sponsors. I mean, all this is just foreign to me because this whole drifting thing, I mean, I, I, was, I was a driver in SCCA, basically, yeah. in autocrossing. And 
I mean, it's pretty unconscious, I guess. It was just a natural thing. I was just an enthusiast, you know? Right. And I was just enjoying my hobbies. And one thing led to another. And uh, should I keep going? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this, yeah. Well, let's, let's get to Club 4AG. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, oh, but well, actually, yeah. before we do that, uh, I do want to clarify something because I've, he- I've heard a few questions from people from our intro episode <laughs> when I mentioned Antonio. Um, I just want to say that Things are okay with me, Antonio, now. Um, I reached out to him several years ago, and uh, we made amends. So we're good, just in case you were wondering. And we saw him like two weeks ago anyway. Yeah. We were talking. Yeah. It's, it's fine, guys. Really. <laughs> yeah. No soap opera. So tell us about Club 4AG. Because, I mean, Club 4AG, not all of us know. You know, the, I think the younger generation doesn't even know. Right. You know, it's, it's really funny because... <laughs> All of this just, just kind of evolved with people. Um, you know, me as a car enthusiast, you know, I had this Honda Civic and then, and then, and then a bunch of other cars. And then, and then finally in early 90s, 92, 93, you know, I, I landed on this shell of an A86, which I had no a car from a shell but right. you know I had this good friend at Toy Sport who said you know oh. all the parts you need to complete a car you know and let's get started so here I was just you know this bare shell six months just wrenching on it whatever it was at the shop so I put it together and I finally got it running with the supercharged engine the, the mm. GZ and I had you know just all kinds of notes and documents and pictures and I wanted to put all that together but I had it in a scrapbook you know and that as concurrently I was running a restaurant too right yeah this whole web era was developing so this is you know 96 97 ish mm-hmm. you know and I was kind of everybody's kind of getting into the internet but yeah. it wasn't really useful not yet at yeah. the time <laughs> yeah but Somewhere in my mind, I said, you know, I, I need for my restaurant, I need to get this this website thing <laughs> figured out. So rather than starting with the restaurant, fearing, you know, I might mess something up. Mm-hmm. And I just started uploading this scrapbook oh. of stuff. Onto your guinea pig website. Onto this guinea pig, <laughs> not even a website. It was, it was just one of those web spaces called like geocities, geocities. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah you know yeah so, all of our websites were on geocities yeah. so it was this this little space on geocities where i had all my documents up and finally you know eventually i figured out how to make it into somewhat of a presentable organized yeah. website and it was offering a forum so kind of threw that on there yep. threw it on there <laughs> yeah and nothing happened for you know a while but i had like 20 people on there after what six months or yeah. something yeah and then from the 20 is 100 yeah and it became 200 people and then i started realizing oh my god there's like people all over the u.s just mm. logging in and talking about it in the forums yeah you know and then soon i started to realize i got people from japan i got yeah. people from australia yeah in the middle east and they were all uploading stuff into this, yeah. this broken forum. <laughs> <laughs> How many users at the height of, of Club 4AG's, you know, member base? What Membership were there? at its peak probably in 2008, 
it was about quarter million. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, a lot less active. Yeah. You know, probably about 8,000 people now are active, but the membership count. You're kind of like an early Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> the, count, the count number was is quite high. Um, it's strange because this big boost came from when, when Toyota Camry had that throttle problem <laughs> sudden that uh, acceleration remember that yes right. i do remember that yeah. and i remember the post the post that got all the media attention was on the club for ag site what was said in the post whoever posted it was talking about um their friend who had that sudden acceleration problem and and i think someone died mm -hmm. um but you know, you'd always hear about the sudden acceleration problem, but it never killed anybody. Or it was a tale that somebody heard, but right. no one knew someone that it actually happened to somebody. Yeah, I mean, it's just like the Audi one or the Suzuki Samurai flipping over. It was just more <laughs> politics than yeah. anything. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it didn't have anything to do with my <laughs> website. Right. <laughs> However, okay, people searched, Google searched for Toyota mm -hmm. throttle issue, right? Yeah. And... That's everything. On the AG, like half the topics on the forum right. at the time was individual throttle right. bodies on right, the 4AG. Right, right. right. It's not sudden issues. acceleration. It's, you know. So <laughs> as soon as that news broadcast became a CNN thing, yeah. you know, and it blew up internationally, yeah. there's so many like random traffic going mm. through my website. <laughs> How funny. But Club 4AG was kind of the mecca for 4ag information and not even just 4ag specifically to that engine but right. the hachiroku not even just the hachiroku but like a92 right um everything and beyond that um wheels and you know other kinds of style things i mean i remember i remember you had a page on your site i think it was like an ssr page and it had you know the star sharks the mark twos the mark threes the sakura wheels and just everything and like that stuff i was i was in love with small wheels and so um there was just so much useful information on there yeah yeah i think uh, over the years i mean i just kind of whatever that came up and was a hot topic in the forums i would just kind of pick and pull and mm. organize and you know put things together as articles you know not a whole lot but yeah. bulk of the the, the work is pretty much in the forum i mean it's it's the people yeah you know i, I don't really do much with it it's, it's the people having their own conversations mm -hmm. and you know other people helping other users and and i think everybody kind of gravitated towards club 4ag because i was pulling information from japan oh okay you know through their magazines yeah. or um whatnot um and i think everybody just wanted that extra detail yeah but it was kind of strange to me because i wasn't really a source of that information either right right I'm just pulling whatever comes out right. of japanese magazines as i read it right understood it and put it into practice in my own cars yeah and you know putting that results up so nice okay so it wasn't really that i created anything no but you facilitated <laughs> Facil facilitated mm -hmm. yeah it started with a passion yeah. that's yeah. it Now let's take some time out to thank this episode's sponsor. Falcon Tire was founded in Japan back in 1983 as a high-performance tire brand. 
1985, the brand was brought over to the USA and quickly made ripples in the motorsport industry by participating in and sponsoring numerous motorsports series like Rally, Mirage Cup, Pikes Peak Hill Climb, ALMS, King of the Hammers, and of course, Formula Drift, and even sponsors Major League Baseball. Me and Benson's tires of choice are their RT615K Pluses, which are their latest release, and their RT660s. These are both ultra-high-performance, grippy, fancy tires that we, and our friends included, all love. Fun fact, our guest in Episode 3, Nick Fusakis, was involved in the development and release of the RT660s. Falcon Tire was kind enough to ship us this massive box of Falcon Tire swag to give away. Guys, this box is sitting in my living room floor. I keep tripping over it. It's so huge. I can't wait to send this stuff out. I looked through the box and saw tons of track towels, a Falcon Tire clock, stickers, and among other things, dead stock license plate frames that say, I'd rather be drifting. Do you guys remember those? Now those ones are the gems. We'll be packaging these up. Well, actually, Benson will probably have me package these up for you guys, and we'll be giving them away over on our Instagram page a short while after this episode releases. Make sure to be following our Instagram at Mania. Big thank you again to Falcon Tire for their continued support of both mine and Benson's drifting careers, and now this podcast. Visit Falcon Tire's website at falcontire.com and check out their IG. They post a lot of enthusiasts and tuner cars rather than the boring factory stock cars. Love that page. You can find that at Falcon Tire. And now let's get back to the grilling. So, Moto, do you remember how we met, you and I? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's got to be in preparation for one of the events. <laughs> how did you know that? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're an S13 guy. And <laughs> I, I, made sure, I made sure every Nissan guy <laughs> <laughs> I inspected before that track day because yeah, these batteries are all mess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, no, you're right. Um, it was in preparation for my very first track day. So before that, it was all stuff, you know, I did a lot of street stuff. I did I did some autocross, um, but that was my first uh, event at Streets of Willow with Speed Trial. And right, when you sign right. up for a Speed Trial, uh, they, you know, they give you a form and they say, go get your car tech inspected and uh, you can go to these places. And so I elected to contact you. Right. And you helped me tech my car, so I drove I drove my car to your house, pulled into your garage, um, and and you helped tech inspect. You you know you found some things that were not passing with my car. Of yeah. course, uh -huh. battery, yeah. battery yeah. terminals. Yeah, it's all coming back to me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did. I, I couldn't recall it was yours, but I remember that black S thirteen. Now now it's like one and one. Yeah, okay. Junky it's, one. It's all yeah. It's mm -hmm. all coming back to mm. my mind now. Yeah, it's that half that intake was just <laughs> just, just held on by around. just hoses and yeah, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know you were supposed <laughs> to secure those things. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, I always remember you are very helpful. Um, you, you didn't know me, but you were very helpful and you were very nice. You, you had your, your vice and you, you had some, uh, piece of metal and, and you, you know, really quickly, uh, created a, you know, some bracket for my did intake. I, yeah, and I think I did, huh? Yeah. Bent some, wow. bent some rods and 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Radio brackets. And just yeah. Just kind of secured it. Yeah, yeah. I was very impressed. Uh, and a Toyota guy working on an S13. Yeah, yeah shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <little> dumb kid. <laughs> Hoping that nobody would take a picture of me working on an Nissan. <laughs> no, well, I had an S13 too. You did? Yes. Oh, yes. I didn't know that. For about eight months. What color? Oh. There's a white... Sylvia, yeah. with a Sylvia face. I remember. And it kind of well, reminded yeah. me of your white Hachiroku. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I looked at it, I go, that's definitely I Moto re- style. I don't remember that car. I remember that. He brought uh, it to Drift Day. Yeah. In yeah. Beautiful. Really clean. S13, really, really simple. Clean. Yeah, Why did you really only have it for eight months? Mm-hmm. I just never used it because I had this fleet of Corollas. Oh, yeah, okay. Fleet. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Speaking yeah. of that, do you still have any? Right now, no. No. <laughs> Where did that last one go? The last the one went taste? to Manila, to an oh. owner in Manila. And, uh, so you must be rich. <laughs> no, because no, this is all before. This, this is this before whole, it happened. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Moto, I can't well, believe I, you got rid of all of them. I mean, at the time, $8,000 for that car was like... That's really a lot. Good. That that's was really a, good. That's a lot of money for that yeah. car. Because, yeah. you know, most of the other Corollas are 500 to to 1000 yeah. bucks, right? <laughs> I want to touch on that actually because when I first, well, well, when Drift Day 1 happened, we're kind of jumping ahead here, but um, since we're talking about values of cars, um, and I was one of the few S13s in a sea of Hachirokus. Right. And um, at the time, people would talk to me and they'd be like, why are you drifting an S13? It's so expensive. Just, just go buy a, just go buy some beater Hachiroku, right. you know, for like five hundred bucks and and drift that, and and look at it now, right? I right. mean, S thirteens are super expensive because they're they're not as not so common, um, but Hachirokus that it's it's kind of reversed now. There's right. If if I was lucky enough to buy a Hachiroku, which one day I hope to to be able to do, um, I don't think I would go drift it as, you know, I might take it to an event or two, but I don't think I would drive it the way I drive my S13 just because of the value of it. Yeah. Um, I think that whole inflation today happened in few different phases. Yeah. Um, you know, initially the, the A86 just kind of jumped because of that that animation. Yes. Initial D, Yeah. right? So that that just kind of gave it a global audience, yeah, and a and a different audience, yeah, anime audience, yeah. Um, but I think uh, you know, a couple of times after that, it it spiked because there was a, a renewed passion for or all new passion, I which I should say, interest for Japanese cars because of our generation becoming older, yeah. And yeah, you have more money in a career. Yeah, yeah. Some of us with a little more money to burn, and, and we're just going back to our passionate, yeah. you know, cars that we wanted as as a teen or tween. And um, yeah, and it's it's gotten to a point where our generation, our drift day generation, wrecked them all. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. Or, or, or turned seven cars into one, making a nice one car. Hey, don't blame Ta- us S13 people for that one. Taka yeah. did some damage. And Taka, Taka, Taka ruined about six or seven of them. Only I guy I know that flips cars, like, oh. but you know, man, but, but, multiple but, times, Taka. But it was because it was a $1,500 car. Mm, yep. You know, I mean, we, we put in thousands of dollars after it but it yeah. wasn't you know we, yeah 
I remember Ray. You remember Ray Nakadate? Yeah, yeah. From Cause, mm-hmm. I remember he shipped several U.S. Hachirokus to yeah, Japan. Yeah, half of them are mine. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, he's a culprit too for the shortage. Yeah. Oh it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't Ray. It was Cause Corporate Japan mm. okay. who wanted to have a bunch of left-hand drive yeah, cars. They had some kind of spec on. series or something, I think. No, I think it's just the the. the Few of the executives in the company oh, okay. was uh, really into the left-hand drive oh, okay. cars in okay. general, but I think um, the first one he bought, I think I sold for two thousand dollars. Yeah, for complete car. <laughs> yeah, which is like today is probably a fifteen thousand dollar car, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or twenty thousand even. What yeah. year was that moto? Late nineties, ninety-eight, oh, wow. ninety-nine, somewhere. Right before this whole drifting thing started. Yeah. 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 But I want to get to the, like, the goods because 1998, you have Club 4AG, then we went 99. We're in 2000 and you started Drift Association and Drift Day. We're kind of dancing around this because yeah, this is the place, like, where we crashed all the cars, where Benson was the only we one. like crash cars Essence. at we- Drift Day. Well, well, which is why we went. Mean, okay, yeah. I didn't. <laughs> we, we, we wrecked a lot of uh, transmissions and yes. components. Oh, yeah. but, yes, yeah. for sure. But I mean, you founded or co- was it co-founded uh, Drift Association. So right. walk us through, like, wh- how did Drift Association come about? Um, why was it founded? Um, what was the purpose? Okay, well... Um, we touched on that speed trial thing, which is, which, you know, I was a participant at first and then became kind of a co-organizer. And speed trial, for those of you that don't know, which yeah, most was, people don't know. It was explain. one of the earliest import car themed uh, track days. Mm-hmm. Um, grip driving. Grip driving or racetrack, you know, yeah. what we call uh, high speed driving events, I guess, Shout these out. days. Yeah. Shout out to Tommy. Yep. Yeah, Tommy Chen. Tommy Chen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hi, Tommy. Yeah, so all of those people. And we started doing a session. Group C. Group C. Yep. Yeah. And that's that's when. What Benson was Group came. C? Group, Tell group us. Group C was one of the ABCD, uh-huh. you know, run groups for that event. But Group C was this intermediate driver's class um, session. That was meant for all the crazy guys that wanted to try drifting. Oh, but the we weren't. Guys. But we weren't allowed to full out drift. Yeah, because the track wouldn't allow it. Our definition of drifting back then <laughs> was just like chirping a little <laughs> bit sideways. Yeah. You know, we, we little we, oversteer. We, in yeah, the corner. Well, we or probably oversteer in a corner on right. designated so, corners. <clears throat> correct. Designated corners. Usually, of, usually on the onto the skid pad mm-hmm. or or on streets yeah. of Willow, or in yes. the back where the track owners couldn't see you. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, lots of dust kicked up there. Yeah, so we were very judicious in trying drifting. I mean, it was just, just you know shallow angle stuff. Yeah. You know, well, definitely because I I remember getting black flagged all the time right. um, because they didn't want to see it. Yeah, just yeah. one. They, slide they right. wouldn't. Yeah, want, they the didn't, moment they you didn't, didn't want to have it. They they they. Marked up the racetrack with tire marks, right. and you know we ripped up their pavement basically. Right. And and road racing at the time was not; um, they didn't look kindly on drifting because it was to them it was the opposite of what you're doing or what you're trying to do. It's yeah. not serious. Yeah. It's not serious racing, right? And I'll I'll get into that. Um, you know, after that 
the whole Drift Association part. Okay. Uh, I'll get into that. But uh, yeah, um, Naoki, because this guy out of the blue, one of the Club 4AG, I guess, members, um, he approached me and said, you know, let's start a Drift only type of event and basically set up a company to do this because all of the racetracks just aren't with the program. They yeah. hate us. Yeah. yeah, especially SCCA. Yeah. I drove SCCA solo too, and we would get kicked out, and people look at us, they're like, there's those drifters. Like, I felt very, very Yeah, judgy. and, you know, very from, judged. From, I, I was an autocrosser myself. Yeah. So from, from so a traditional understand. point of view, I mean, that that in its own had over 50 years history in yeah. the USA. Of not right? drifting. Of not drifting. <laughs> of of yes. not taking out tons of cones. <laughs> you know, and there's, there's a, you know, three, four generations of people that have been, you know, very studious with mm-hmm. the traditions. And, and here it's this bunch of young kids. Punks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Benson like, was one of those punks. He got right, kicked knocking out. Knocking down all the cones and making a lot of work for people. And it's yeah. just, yeah, it wasn't friendly. To, yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So, so I, th- I thought that was a good idea. Um, so we went about and talked to a bunch of people. Um, none of us, n- none of them really, you know, shopping mall parking lots to raceways. We, we tried everything. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody wanted to have it. Yeah. They didn't understand it. And there's no way to explain it either. Right. Except this bunch of videos I had, which <laughs> were just completely crazy. And it's, like, <laughs> it's something that I would ra- rather not show right, them. That's not something you want to show <laughs> to get permission. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. We tried for a few times, but Naoki really did good work on it and he was just very adamant that he'd get a venue <clears throat> so but even if you secured a venue how did you get insurance for that that that's the thing we had to we, we went to Irwindale basically said okay so let's hear your story so we went there for two months I think I made about 15 20 trips mm-hmm. 15 trips just meetings. Just meetings, trying to convince them, and and they didn't want they they weren't really into it, so it was kind of tough. But they this knew was, this I was, was just for the parking lot. Yeah, but they knew I was one of the the, the only guys, you know, knowledgeed in right. how to explain it from an organizer perspective. Right. You know, so, I'm sure it helped that you were an adult. Yeah. You know, you're not a 20 year old punk trying trying to. Well, I tried to make myself seem that way. Yeah. You know, although I was probably captain of Bosozoku, according to my dad. (laughs) (laughs) But Um, you didn't have a bat. No, I didn't have a bat. I didn't have a thug accent. (laughs) You know, I. The first few meetings, I went there in a suit and tie. Yeah. You know, (laughs) just just to make my point. And um, yeah, it, it it was a very long convincing is a, a couple of test sessions where mm-hmm. I had three or four guys go and, and demonstrate to them what we were doing and still weren't convinced. And at first they, they gave us permission eventually and we had a few events, but then, you know, all sorts of problems arose. Mm-hmm. Um, insurance companies, you know, came and visited um, because, you know, they, they weren't sure what we were doing. Right. And um, and then they, they shut us down basically saying, okay, we need to rewrite a whole new right. definition and, and figure out a rate for this. 
Right. You know, uh, at the time, luckily, we were doing it in parking lots, just like SCCA type of events with mm-hmm. a bunch of cones. So they didn't see much risks in it, you know, except for our own personal cars breaking down with abuse. Um, no physical risks. So, so we modified it from bicycle fences to concrete walls, just things of that nature to just assure more safety. I learned a lot of it too, um, trying to make sure everything's safe. And more and more, it just got out, and uh, people started coming. More visitors. Uh, yeah. Spectators. It's a spectacle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, you know, power of the internet, I guess. It's just, you know, by the time we hit our third or fourth event, the event was full. and We had 50 to 70 cars. You yeah. Know, we were turning down 200 other people. Yeah. You know? So... That, that's Drift Association, basically. Um, so, again, something you guys were passionate about. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, let's just do this. And you right. don't really know yeah. what you were signing yeah. up you for. Casually, casually said that it was like, you know, 15, <laughs> 20 meetings. But right. not, not a lot of people would go through that trouble. Yeah. And um, I, I think it's just one of those timing, you know. I, I had the passion and also time outside of my restaurant duties <sighs> by then because mm-hmm. my restaurant's been going on for you know, almost 10 years at that point. So I had the time. I yeah. had the energy. I was in my late 20s. Yeah. Yeah. And so you called each event Drift Day 1, Drift Day 2, Drift right. Day 3. So how many Drift Days did you end up hosting? It wasn't fixed to a calendar. We just kind of made an event as as we had resources. Yeah. So, you know, some of them were a month apart. Some of them were six months apart. Um, we toured San Francisco and yep. we, we brought yeah. it to Texas one time. I don't remember that. Yeah. We went to but Vegas. I, yeah, we went to Vegas. Yeah. Um, we put on a total of 28 events, I think, not regular events, not including the like the competitions yeah. and, and offshoots in between. Yeah, there was drifting had a, competition, there yeah. was drifting, and then yeah. There's, you know, and, then, and then during that whole time, this whole D1 thing landed on my lap. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's probably in your questions list, so yeah. I'll save that for later. But yeah, uh, Falcon Tires immediately got on board thanks to Nick. Yeah. At the time. Yeah, we, we interviewed Nick yeah. um, in our previous episode and he mentioned um, he mentioned reaching out to you guys. And he, he said that uh, when he emailed you guys, you didn't respond right away. And he, <laughs> he, he thought maybe you, you guys saw the email and you're like, this guy's not real or, you know, <laughs> or something. But I wanted to get your perspective on that. Well, that's the thing. We, we, we were a bunch of car guys. Yeah. Okay. And throughout all these years in SCCA, as I was racing and knocking on tire companies' doors, <laughs> yeah. knocking on Toyota corporate dealerships, you know, nobody would give us resources for these, yeah. these bunch of nobodies, you yeah. know, and we we're just goofing around in parking lots. Right. So this, this email, it's comes to me and, and I just never gave it a second thought. It's just, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I, I, you know, Tell the truth, I really didn't have that, that time. Mm. You know, it was just night and day, a restaurant yeah. in the morning. And then from the time after lunchtime ended, it was just, you know, uh, until the time a- after dinner, you know, I was just working into the night, right. organizing the drifting thing, you know, the 
these events and, and inspecting your car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I, you know, I, I was just adamant that I didn't want any injuries. Yeah. You know, and, and that was just the thing going through my head at the time. It's just so many people, so many random cultures just intermingling, so mm. many age groups. Yeah. And I, I think that's what really clicked for Irwindale is when we had our event, you know, it was just probably the, because traditionally that's a junior NASCAR racetrack, yeah. right? But as soon have as a certain brought, demographic. Yeah. Mm. But as soon as we brought drifting over, we had, you know, all sorts of races and age groups. You yeah. Know, it's probably the first time they had like a whole bunch of Asian kids yeah. in their 20s visit Irwindale Speedway. Yeah. And it, that's probably what fascinated them. Right. You know. And kind of paved the way for the bigger events. Right. Yeah. And but, later, Irwindale was called the House of Drift. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it really was because it brought all of us together and from all different walks of life and a lot of different age ranges. I right. remember that. We had a, did we have like an over 40 group or over 30? There's an over, over 40, 40 team. Over yeah. Team over 40. Over yeah. 40 dudes. Like to me, I was like, wow, those guys are old but. oh my, I, I didn't think about that until now i'm like now yeah. i'm over 40 yeah. and i belong in that team. yeah don't tell yeah. no 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 that you was don't... like uh, that seems so far away i was like there was uh, mickey and yeah. uh, i only remember mickey oh mickey and Cole. yeah Cole. yeah that's yeah. right but talking about paving the way i mean yeah you know we mentioned it before in previous episodes like drift day was our finally our chance to practice drifting legally in a place you know, in a venue that, you know, welcomed us. And Drift Day was my first event. And, you know, because of you and because of Drift Day, like I was able to just finally safely and, and completely enjoy what I wanted yeah. to do. Finally. Yeah, not, not, not to have to worry about cliffs or cops, cops. or like yeah. oncoming traffic. Yeah. Samoto, you saved my life because Benson could have just done donuts off the cliff <laughs> if he just kept going. So no, thank you. No, was good. He was doing donuts in the mountains with me. Yeah. I mean, that's that's life well, before drift day. Yeah, we were. I mean, <laughs> I was getting <laughs> out of places. Like, I, I was doing that too. <laughs> yeah, and I was sick of doing that because I wrecked yeah. the car there too. Oh, you, you know? did. Yeah, oh, going, you're a you know, you're a bad boy toge driver. Yeah, but you know, at the time when we were up there, we, we would close down the road. Yes, you have yeah. someone we waiting on both uh -huh. sides. Yes. Right. We yeah. would close down the mm -hmm. road, so it was just us. We weren't we weren't risking. You know, yeah, regular traffic. Yeah, yeah. maybe animals, you know, deers and stuff. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah, we we heard some. Deer. But anyway, you know, I was like, okay, it's like, I can't keep doing this. You know, I, I have yeah. kids. You know, I you, right, and you can only, it, it's it limits how fast you learn, right? Because you're worrying about other things. Yeah, and as soon as I got into SCC, I just stopped because yeah, you know, when I started learning, really learning how to drive, right. Is just, you know, the, the the canyon just wasn't enough for me. Right. You know, it's just it's just more more danger than. Ta yeah, toge is a lot more about how gutsy you are. Right? Yeah, which really doesn't add up to speed. Correct. Yeah. You know, unless unless you're just challenging mm. another guy with guts. Right. <laughs> but uh, I I remember um, you hit the gold mine when you had Taka design your courses oh, yeah. because to this day I always uh, in my mind I, I'm always like I wish 
I could have an event and I'll have Taka design the courses because his courses were always so technical and they taught me so much about driving. And I remember at the time people would, you know, they would make fun of Drift Day because it was cones. Right. And they would be like, oh, you know, it's not a real race track, you know, you're racing with cones and that's so lame. But to me, um, I, I saw the value in it because Taka could design a different course every single time and always taught me something new about right. my driving or about my car, what I can, like new techniques um, that I could use. Um, and you can't, you know, if you're driving the same course every day or every time you go dr drifting, um, you, you don't learn that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's what we kind of brought in from SCCA thinking. Mm -hmm. um, SCCA solo two courses, there's never... The same course right. on the same venue. Um, every track, every day, every event is a different track. Um, we wanted to do that for our drifting program because, you know, if, if you learn how to walk the course, you know, observe it on foot, yeah, and then and then go attack it. We 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 become more accustomed to adapting to different conditions, yeah, in, in tracks, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, this is very different from me fixated on one venue right and there's only that same corner you can go around for <laughs> yeah to call your own home track right you know and then and then you know once you're forced to tour somewhere and negotiate a different set of turns you're right. just completely lost at that point right <clears throat> so yeah I, I think that all kind of fit together um i would you know taka and i would spend so many nights i mean probably at least two or three meetings, you know, um, three, four hour sessions, just drawing courses onto this parking lot venue or yeah. something. Did you save those <laughs> courses? <laughs> probably have some of them as drawings on my file, but at the venue, we would modify them too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah you'd have so, to yeah. light posts and yeah. rain gutters. and <laughs> Right. So um, going back into the first, drift days um maybe drift day one let's go back to drift day one um it was so new drifting and there wasn't a lot of knowledge back then uh did you have challenges uh, trying to find instructors that that knew what they were doing because um i mean i, I was it's one of my bragging points always to say i was an instructor since drift day one um i, I take a lot of pride in that but um, you know, looking back at the time I could drift, but I don't know it. Like I definitely wouldn't qualify as an instructor in today's standards, right? How did, how did you find that? How, how were you able to teach people when we weren't even able to do it on a track? I kind of evolved and grew into place. I mean, it's just shaking tails loose on the car, yeah. basic training, car control, you know, that, that could be done, you know, at our level. And yeah. I think drift day one through maybe the first six or seven drift days, I mean, yeah. it was just, you know, car control skills, yeah. you know, and, and it looked like drifting at very low speeds, right? but that was our drifting at the time, right? Yeah, yeah, and definitely drifting, yeah. Dr what we consider drifting <clears throat> before drift day one is different. Yeah compared to after Drift Day 1. Yeah, until that one day when Signal Auto and the Falcon Drift Show-Off yeah. project with Ken Miyoshi, you know, that whole thing got put together with yeah. Nick. Um, 
then then we had a real instructor, right? Yeah, that opened Because, everyone's eyes. Yeah, because <laughs> we had Koguchi and, and Seigo, and they came over, and I thought Nomuken was there too. Uh, that was uh, Ikaten. Yeah, Ikaten too. I mean, that, that was all the same year. I mean, yeah, same year. Just almost concurrent, mm -hmm. right? It's a great year. A couple months apart, but yeah, when when Nomuken first got on our drift day track and he pulled that third gear sweeper yeah. and got three <laughs> inches from that wall yeah. with, his, with his rear wing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God, we <laughs> suck. We, we have yeah. no idea what we're doing. <laughs> so this is what drifting is. <laughs> so that, that's when we realized we need to move out of this parking lot and onto the speedway because yeah. we really need real concrete walls now, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> that was a that was a defining moment when we had to start drifting near walls, yeah. or, or you know anywhere within the uh, vicinity of walls because before it was just cones and right. I mean, it was safety oriented. We didn't want yeah. We wanted everybody to drive home in the car they came in. Right. Until that Falcon drift show off or RSR drift festival or even D1 came, I don't think it was in any of our minds that we would risk destroying our cars in a competition, right? I mean, it's it's when we really got to this point where we're going to be challenging these guys from Japan. That's, yeah. that's when we hit, like, okay, some of these guys are willing to go there. Yeah, you know? yeah. Moto, how is it working with the D1GP people? Like, who, who contacted you? It was tough. It was, it was, the, it was the actual um, supervisor of the media group. Was he? Was it yeah. like a mean dude? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's th three three people um, who you know, Inada Daijiro, of mm -hmm. course, who's the, the the content creator and, mm -hmm. and and the boss of Option Video. Mm -hmm. And then there's the uh, Mr. Saita, who is like the corporate side production boss, and also the producer director sort of guy. Okay. And then there's you know Keiichi, who was all more like a standing consulting chair who yeah. kind of orchestrated and, and, and designed that whole event series. So um, working with them initially was a shock, but they were very patient with us because, you know, they're, they're not in their home territory. Right. And they knew I was just running around like a, <laughs> you know, headless chicken just, yeah. just trying to get things together. Well, we were grassroots still. Yeah. So... Yeah. And yeah, and Irwindale Speedway had their stipulations. Our insurance policies were very different from Japan. Yeah. Our emergency medical response team had different standards. Right. Venue itself is, you know, left hand and right hand drive right. difference. So <laughs> we spin the, the racetrack the wrong way. Right. I mean, all sorts of things. All sorts right. of things. And and now that you bring bring up those cultural differences, um, I just suddenly remembered the difference in um, the crowd um, when Japan, when they had D1 here, the the fans were so different than the fans in Japan. And I hear about it um, where, you know, people in Japan, uh, when they're watching drifting, they're not as loud and boisterous as the fans here. And um, I don't remember where I heard this story, but uh, just how much uh, certain people like Tarzan or other drivers would just, uh, they loved the um, 
they just loved the way the fans appreciated drifting or the way not the way they appreciated but the way they vocalized um how wild and crazy they got here compared to japan in japan uh motorsports in general even grassroots motorsports are just participant base is very very formal they're and not not formal in a sense that they're 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 you know uh mannerly or anything but it's just a very very colloquial structure type people mm-hmm. you know they're in their own game and they, they they're not really open to outsiders yeah um that's changed a lot today but back then it was just you know a bunch of outcasts that are kind of <laughs> Uh, you know, grouping themselves at a racetrack. Right. And, uh, the drivers and the spectators. Yeah, and, and the shops that were supporting were very unique. They mm-hmm. were very different from, like, different types of tuning base. I mean, drifters were drifters and track people were track people. Um, that's kind of merging today, but 20 years ago, it, it was just, you know, a very colloquial audience. Whereas in the USA blew up as a, as a more of a social trend. Yeah. You know, that kind of almost legitimatized um, street racing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's concurrent with Fast and Furious sort of too. Totally. You know, that whole era when the Japanese tuner base um, became popular. So, you know, and naturally, you know, American audience at big events are just very vocal, energetic crowd, yeah. right? Yeah. So, when the first D1 event was held here, yeah, you know, they, they, first of all, they were just glad to meet all of us, mm-hmm. which are just really open, right? Mm-hmm. All of the American list of drivers. I mean, they're just, you know, here to learn. They're enthusiastic. They're yeah. looking up to these people. Yeah. So to them, it was like the first time that these these guys are like heroes in an international. Yeah. You know, with great level of respect, headed by Keiichi at the top. Right. You know. Um. So that was different, and then and then that first main event, you know, we had eight thousand spectators. Yeah, you know, thanks to Jim and Ryan who first initially produced the, the first D one. So that that was a big event. That was a big event, um, and that was almost maximum capacity of Rowendale's main grandstand. That's right. an eight thousand grandstand. So, right. Um, but the second event was twelve thousand people. Yeah. And we were overbooked by, I don't know how many thousand, right? <laughs> yeah. And I actually got a $14,000 ticket from the city of Irwindale. Oh. For backing up the 605. Oh, wow. Jeez. Well. <laughs> $14,000 oh. ticket personally? Like, dude. Because. I remember. Yeah. Just and trying to get out of the event afterwards. It took forever. All, yeah. all the all the signals oh were backed up. and Yeah, because that was, yeah. Yeah, word got out. It was crazy. Out. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, Did you get a lawyer? Did you pay for that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I went back to the police department and kind of settled it. Um, oh I, I didn't. I didn't really have to pay most of it. Most that, of that was, it. That was, That's crazy, Moto. You know, it went down to about two thousand. Okay. Okay. But, but still. But still, I mean, they Jeez. they 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 wanted to let us know. Yeah. That, that yeah. they they got like I don't know fourteen or fifteen you know, police cruisers out to manage that situation mm-hmm. because their parking yeah. lot was full and there's yep. more people coming. Yeah. 
um, you know, that, that wasn't really my side of the production, right? right. <laughs> I'm, I'm the track operator. Yeah, and you're and the venue inside, manager. inside yeah. the venue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's Jim and Ryan was, <laughs> was producing the whole marketing yeah, yeah. side and the sales side. So, so that, that was their thing. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Wow. So, Moto, um, I remember in the heyday of D1, uh, it started to become controversial um, because uh, it was being talked about that D1 was more like a scripted WWF event rather than than a motorsport where people were just, you know, where the best man would always win. Um, did you experience anything like that, that, that told you was one way or another? Um, I think as it became bigger and bigger as a televised professional event, um, you know, there's a lot of opinions that could play. And then, there's, and then obviously the team's sponsorship, um, Amounts or, or team scales of these teams. I mean, as they yeah. as they grow from you know, few thousand dollar budget teams to tens and thousands, yeah, know, hundreds of thousands in some cases. Um, you know, you'll start to hear a lot of that. But D one um, is all orchestrated by Keiichi, basically, mm-hmm. and he was to me he was very fair. Mm-hmm. Um, we would always respect his 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 view yeah and he, he was really meticulous too right you know? and the thing about d1 is all of the judges that he would appoint right to judge with him were former champions right, right. so they, they would be able to spot you know differences and that was the beauty of d1 it, it was more of a skilled you know each car had its own set of difficulties and the drivers knew all of those differences yeah so a car like a Corolla can compete with, right. you know, very different cars, GTRs and S13s and and whatnot. Um, I miss those days. Yeah, because because all of the judges knew the delicacies of yeah. driving and the difficulty and the challenges yeah. and how a Corolla, if it caught up in a certain section of the racetrack right. and kept up, you know, as a result. Yep. Yeah, so so that sort of thing. It is a very uh, high level understanding that was demanded, I think, for the audience side too. Yeah, you know, and that that just didn't fit, um, I think, in the U.S. to some extent, and that that was the reason I think uh, Jim and Ryan wanted to break off and do their own thing as Formula D, mm-hmm. um, because they they want they needed to Americanize some of it. Yeah, and make it more edible for a wider audience base. Um, right. Moto, when we sent you the podcast questionnaire, mm-hmm. we we send this to each of our guests, and we have a question, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read it to you guys, because Moto, I don't really agree with how you answered it, so we're gonna talk about that right now. Okay. But it says, how were you influential with drifting? And then I put in parentheses, yes, you're influential. And that's why you're on the show. 
And I said, be as detailed as possible. Let us know what you've done for drifting. You know, how were you a pioneer or a trailblazer? And you answered one, two, three, four, five, six, like six words. You go, I was not influential, just enthusiastic. And I totally disagree. We. With a we, yeah, we at this roundtable here, we totally disagree, and we want to. I want to get into that really quick. And so, yeah. Moto, I disagree. Okay, okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Um, I, I guess you know, a lot of what I did defined milestones in in how the drifting as a sport just kind of sprouted and grew. Um, but a lot of it, like I said, is just never my vision. It was just adapting to changes and new demands as it came. And, and you know, and just being lucky to have all, all of you, all of all of those people. I mean, you know, 50, 100 people. And, and just, you know, whenever we traveled, I mean, the, the people outside in different cities, Houston, um, Miami, you know, um, Chicago. You could have given up, though. You could have not been our leader. And you could have given up at any time and said, you know what? I'm sick of this. Let me go do noodles instead, like my dad. (laughs) And you could have done that very easily at any point in time, but you chose to stick with drifting. And and I believe that you paved the way for us. And we, we, we learned so much. And it was because of you sticking with us. No, I mean, trust me, there, there were a few, <laughs> probably several moments or periods of time when I really, really thought I had to stop, you know, whether it be just physical exhaustion or yeah. or just having issues with family, me not being home. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just, just looking at your faces and when I show up to events and just, just people dependent, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Know? Yeah, you never let us down. You always showed up. You never missed an event. You know, I, I just wanted to share because it was just, for me, it was just n- never about my vision. Mm-hmm. It was just more adapting to all of your vision. Right. And just trying to make sense out of all this to to, to bring it somewhere or, or to stay cohesive. Yeah. But someone had to build a bridge. Yeah. And, you yeah. Know, we've, we feel it was you. It was you. For sure. That's why you're on the show. Okay. So we know you're enthusiastic, but you are also very influential, Moto. Okay. Well, perhaps. Flowers. Um, but perhaps. <laughs> just, yeah, I would say indirectly. And it is just, if any one of the hundreds of people were missing, it would have been a different For sure. outcome, I think. For sure. So, so it's, it's kind of funny because so far with every guest that we've had on the show, um, it seems to there seems to be a theme where we talk to the guest about um, a really cool experience they've had with somebody that seems mythical to us. So, Side Squad Mark had uh, a really good experience interviewing for June Auto um, as an American in Japan. Uh, Side Squad Dave um, had really cool experiences with um, Hiroshi Takahashi mm-hmm. from uh, Team Running Free. Ken Gushi had experiences with Koguchi, and and so did Nick Fusekis. Um, I saw that um, you posted online about an experience you had with Keiichi Tsuchiya. Okay. Um, 
you were in Vegas for something, right? To and, drive back, and you had to drive back. So can, can right. you can you tell us about that? Because I don't know anybody who's who has any personal stories about Keiichi Tsuchiya. And to the rest of us in the world, he seems like this mythical character that we looked up to in Drift Bible and all the uh, option videos in D1. Um, so yeah. what was he like? So he he was adamant. <laughs> adamant is a good word. He, he knows was, what he wants. He knows what he wants, but he was also uh, very vigilant, uh, sensitive, and very artistic in the sense that you know he knew how to create these drift events into something spectacular for the yeah. spectators and not just the spectators yeah. because uh, as a driver i would see some of the courses that he would create um he created the yeah. infamous course at irwindale mm -hmm. um he created the ikaten the right. basic Ikaten course. Um, he did uh, D1 in Vegas. Right. And all of those tracks not only were very um, entertaining for the spectator, from a driver's perspective, there was so much detail in the way he would create the course that made it challenging, that made, made everyone push themselves past uh, what they've already done. Um, so... I remember any time I drove a KHE course, it made me a better driver. Yeah, yeah. We would pre-design a course because obviously he would only fly in a few days before the events, yeah. uh, big events. Um, you know, there, there's a lot to, for those big spectator events, I mean, the K-rails had to be set mm -hmm. and spectator grandstands had to be moved around and lighting had to be, and, you know, there's days and days of preparation. Yeah. So we would preset the course Something that's predefined. Mm -hmm. um, that's Taka and I, and, and you know a few others, including yourself. You know, we spend late nights, you know, tweaking the course, right? Yeah. But Keiichi would come in, and he would take one look at the course, and he would send either Taniguchi or or Nomuken yeah. out in the car and yeah. just go, you know, test it. Yeah. And they would come back and report something, and Keiichi would just climb up and at the highest point in the grandstand and he would look down at the course and he, he would just start ordering over the radio at, at us. Yeah. It's like by tomorrow morning, the when the qualifying starts, I want that K rail, you know, we, we number the K rail. Okay. We have a, a list of K rail. I want K rail four decreased in radius. Uh, you know, I need that that tip move four feet over this way. Yeah. And we would you know, we would start shaping things. Mm. And Initially, I would I wouldn't know why he would ask for a certain section to be closed down or certain sections to be widened. Yeah. But then when when the when the event started, you know, he would predict a course where a Corolla could just make it around <laughs> the corner if he had the best possible speed. Yeah. And would fail to make it around to the apex. Right. If he didn't. Right. So that would automatically, I mean, just weed out in the qualifying who was up to it or not. Right. But then at the same time, there would be kinks on the outside where S13s would have troubles if they, if they came in too hot. Yeah. So all of these finer details were um, Zach, the cameraman from yeah. Option, yeah. you know, it 
creative design it's a zak is standing yeah. in, in one place and just just capture everybody's flaws right? right yeah and just make that whole entertainment yeah work because there's a whole narrative behind it and, right and the story and expertise yeah and all of that would just flow out of him as as we create that content right it's just a master at that i was lucky enough to see him test the course one time yeah yeah i think he jumped in the top secret supra and just and i was like oh my god i'm gonna see keichi drift and <laughs> you know he was taking it really easy and you know it's, it was his style of drifting is more like racing style and low angle and inertia and stuff like that but um that was really cool to see but, but uh, yeah i think he was just checking through driver's point of view yeah you know at, at all of the locations and camera points yeah and he would come in and and just you know tell namukan and go check right? yeah go do it go do it for <laughs> real go balls out <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah was, um, there, was there any in your drive from vegas to la oh yeah okay so this is this is more of a private thing but i, I could talk about it i mean yeah, uh, Keiichi's obviously, whenever he's here for events, he's on a very tight schedule uh, because at the time he was still a, you know, GT racer as yeah. well as uh, uh, several managers for several, you know, small racing teams. So really busy and obviously a lot of media too radio and TV appearances. So he's a busy guy. So whenever he came over, it, it would just be a very short stint. Um, he would come over a day or two before the event and he would fly out the, the day following the end of an event. Mm -hmm. And on the production side, he was very costly as well. So we couldn't yeah. keep him here right. either. Um, but it, it, we had an event in Las Vegas and, uh, you know, it was a three-day trip for him and he would come on the second day and orchestrated the whole D1 event and we would be done and we shut down at I think it was 9 or 10 we shut down um, he was scheduled to fly out the next day and fly through LA and go right back to Japan but in the middle of the night about shortly before midnight he said how long is the drive to LA and I told him well um, 4 or 5 hours at max jump in the car go to LA <laughs> so in my mind I'm like okay so there's whole logistics and teams of people <laughs> right. and media guys just all waiting to see Keiichi right. and I'm just here and he just asked me to kidnap him yeah <laughs> <laughs> take him to it. <laughs> nice. but I by that by that time it was you know a few years I would say yeah into the event and I saw him multiple times where I knew him enough that he needed time off. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was just looking for somebody brave enough to break <laughs> rules for him. Help the king escape, go yeah. see the city. <laughs> Basically. So I was kind of laughing, lacking sleep, but I said, okay, let's let's jump in and go. Yeah. It was, uh, it was probably my first and last time I would do something like that. But, yeah. but at that time, it was just, he was tired, I was tired. And yeah. he, I just new in his eyes and, and just looking at his schedule it's just this guy needs a break and yeah. I, so i kidnapped him took him to la <laughs> middle of the night and and all this time he's this drift guy and the, and the king of d1 yeah the star of the show to me he's more of the the cast in this whole grand scheme of things right yeah he, he's the main cast of 
sorts. Yeah. Um, but during that drive, I began to realize, you know, through just different conversations, and, and he he would stay up as much as he can to to keep me company to keep me from sleeping. Yeah. On the road, but he would tell me these stories, you know, where he was driving the the. The man's NSX yeah. in the 24 hours. And now he he didn't have time to get the seat matched up right. You know, they they they, they basically shape all the foam seats right. to, to each passenger, but he just didn't have time to get it right. And the seat didn't fit, you know, exactly. And his his you know parts of his vertebrae kind of started dislocating during during that the race and he's oh. just taking aspirin and oh, geez. trying to finish the race but you know all that stuff and and just different big events you know when you race the last group a uh-huh in the, in the jgtc just big points in his life he was just trying to tell me briefly and that's that's when i realized oh my god it's like he's he's not just cast of the show he's world class <laughs> yeah i guess people forget about that but that's what's important to him obviously yeah right? yeah yeah i mean that's that's where his main occupation is, yeah you know um, it sounds like uh, an old vet sharing war stories yeah but that's 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 when i just kind of it sunk in yeah up until then it's just i was just running around but it's like i'm i'm driving this mm ace driver for the the honda nsx gt1 right right (laughs) definitely don't fall asleep behind the wheel yeah and later the ts020 you know the toyota entry you know yeah guy was he he was the the flag bearer for a japanese team in the in the 24 hours of the month and it's it's like then i started shivering and that's like But that, that's the story. I got, I got to LA about 4.30 a.m. Yeah. Looked for a hotel, checked him in, and, you know, called him back at 9 o'clock to see if he was okay and yeah. needed anything. And it was fun. You know what he did when he got to LA? Um, Well, I shouldn't even say this. I drove, I drove, him, <laughs> <laughs> I drove him to the Japanese community where I thought he would be, you know, have an easier time mm-hmm. communicating in Japanese language the next day. Yeah. You know, trying was, to get around town. He could speak English, right? Yeah. He preferred not to. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I tried to check him into a Japanese hotel. There were no rooms. And he said um, that that room in Beverly Hills, a pretty woman, he said. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, God, what did they shoot? Oh, yeah. The, the Beverly Wilshire, right? Yeah. So I took him there, checked him in. So he spent the night there, uh, and I, I guess he went shopping the next morning because he, he had to fly out that evening. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man, I, I could only—he's fancy. I could only imagine <laughs> just walking around Beverly Hills and be like, "That's Keiichi Tsuchiya <laughs> shopping in Beverly Hills." <laughs> we would never see him because we're yeah. we don't usually roll there. So. Well, he he's not he's not like walking around in his green racing. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> he should. Yeah. In my mind, he's wearing his green racing suit. <laughs> but yeah, overall, just fantastic guy. Yeah. Um, if anything, a little artistic and introverted at times, mm. but you know, really creative. Yeah. Brilliant. That's cool. Yeah. All right. So, 
enough about KG. I want to hear a little bit more about what you're doing in the current day, Moto, because you're our guest and we kind of want to stalk you. And I mentioned Cusco and RSR, and these are like really, this is like candy for me. I love these companies. <laughs> so tell me, uh, what are you doing right now? Well, uh, Cusco and RSR, uh, that was my past client. Shouldn't say clients, should I partner? I don't know. I mean, just they just kind of invited me in to do, become this advisor or translator or whatever needs to be done. Um, it, it's kind of on and off. Um, I was at Cusco for five years until 2019. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. You working on pro product development or marketing or, or what, what do you do there? Or what, what are just you doing there? All sorts of things, but mostly just bridging uh, the Japanese company and their products mm -hmm. to the USA okay. as far as application testing, a lot of product planning advice, yeah. um, retuning for the U.S. market in some cases, um, but just general tasks as it comes up, you know, yeah. just kind of on the roster, of the handyman, I guess, of, of those companies. You have such a cool resume, Moto, because when I was looking at your LinkedIn and stalking you, yeah. you have all all the names, like all the the, the household names. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because those things kind of landed too. I, <laughs> I never went and knocked on yeah. doors. It's just, yeah. just one after the other. and you know. Yeah, and I think this podcast is all about you don't really try it just kind of happens naturally, you know, um, it just comes to fruition because you have the passion yeah. and people recognize that and organically it becomes, becomes a thing, whether yeah. you, you didn't sign up for that. It just happened. Right. Right. So, and I, I think like your resume speaks that your involvement in drifting speaks that like, I think it's really, it's really cool. Yeah. I love uh, that. One of the biggest things that I was working on after 2008 when, this whole D1 thing faded. Um, right around there in 2007, in the winter, I got sat down by, you know, one of the chief engineers at Toyota out of the blue. And that's that's when this whole relationship started with him and we were working on the, the Toyota 86 and the BRZ project. So he just called you one day. He's like, hey, I got your number. <laughs> right, right. Can there's I just a, there's work a, with there's you? There's <laughs> an engineer called Mr. Haraguchi who worked on the suspension of the A86 oh. who was appointed as as one of the engineers for the second generation Prius. Oh. So when we were as a as a Club 4AG group on the on the side business thing, you know, we were asked to usher and escort um Japanese media for the 2004 Prius launch media event that was held in LA. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so the Japanese media crew would come over, and we were, you know, basically running around for them. Yeah, you know, facilitating their needs and uh, valet so, parking their cars or whatever. <laughs> so, because of a Prius, <clears throat> yeah, you got hooked in with Haraguchi-san. Yeah, and then so I. <laughs> I pulled into to the Prius launch event lot after the after the day ended. I pulled in with my white A86, and the Haraguchi-san <laughs> kind of walked up to it and said, 
and looked around the car and he said, your caster is off by one degree. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> nice to meet you too. <laughs> and I had my, you know, steering wheel yeah. slightly steered. Yeah. But it's the first time, you know, a guy walked up to my car and <laughs> named my caster being off. <laughs> was it off? <clears throat> and I went to the alignment and it was off by 1.2 degrees. <laughs> And it's because my, you know, the car was bent, you know, yeah. through all these abuse. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, caster of all things. Camber, I can understand, but yeah. caster is this yeah, one. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, the wheel cocked just slightly. He just spotted it. I'm like, wow. Mm. So then he he got your number and just... So he got my number and we, we I think we, yeah, we, we had dinner together. With a bunch of other people. What a right? pickup line. He sat next to me. <laughs> oh, he sat next he to sat you. He sat next to me because he's that Corolla guy. Oh. <laughs> so he sat next to me. So we shared a little bits of conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Found out I was kind of the organizer of a whole bunch of other Corollas yeah. in the community. So he took that as notes and went back. And two years later, you know, this engineer shows up, Tadasan, new guy. Uh-huh. And he, he calls me out of the blue. I didn't know. And he said, Could, do you have time to go to Starbucks with me hey. on Thursday? <laughs> Can I pick uh, your brain? For two hours? <laughs> I'm like, sure. Like, what is this about? Yeah. That's scary. <laughs> so That's scary. scary. But anyway, yeah, he sat me down. He said, we have a clean white sheet of paper and we, we'd like to rekindle a new A86 yeah. for our generation. Yeah. I just, I just sat there going, wow. It's like, what does that have to do with me? Yeah. <laughs> At Starbucks of At all Starbucks. places. <clears throat> oh, my gosh. But, yeah, um, after that, he landed on a couple of projects, and he just we just became good friends. And that, that was basically, it started consuming my time doing that. Yeah, so I can imagine. From 06 to the launch was the Japan side. You know, just going back and forth. How long did that development time take between the time you were first contacted and when the the car launched? Well, 2006 or 2007 was when he contacted me. And then from then on, it just from up until 2011, it was kind of veiled in secrecy. Yeah. You know, a couple of teaser concepts in between. But, you know, the whole time we were putting it together. Um, in the middle of the process, it became known to me that it was going to be a Subaru car, and that yeah. was like shocking to me. But, yeah. And anyway, we kept moving, and, and uh, that, that was a, that was a quite interesting. What What was your involvement with the project? Uh, initially, as more of a a feeler, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, if they had a marketing or or demographic type question, they would discreetly ask me to ask, you know, our audience, okay. core members and auto enthusiasts okay. to in our community. And they're just trying to feel out, okay, well, you know, who are they selling this car to? What is their target audience? Right. You know? And um, the chief engineer really was into that. You know, he, he, he wanted to really get in touch with the community, but he couldn't, you know, right. directly. directly. Yeah. So, so he did that covertly through me. Right. The target audience of the car that um, you were helping them determine 
did that end up being the actual consumer of this car? Yes, yes. Um, a lot of the core enthusiasts mm-hmm. that were us. Yeah. You know, um, I think good half of us like the car. Yeah. The other half has beefs with it. And, yeah. and, and that's a good thing because, you know, to have... To have discussion. To have discussion mm-hmm. and, and that and that love-hate thing is, is you, know, you have to have a good car. Right. Because yeah. you know, if it wasn't, then nobody would care, right? Right. So, so that was a good thing, but um, yeah, and uh, and a lot more ex- unexpected audience for the car. I think it, they were initially, you know, planning to sell a third of what they sold. Yeah. Um, so, so they had quite a bit of revamping to do with the initial order. I see. Yeah, I see them everywhere, and um, I think initially I saw a lot of enthusiasts with the mm-hmm. car. Um, but now they're just everywhere. It's kind of like a Miata in a lot of right. senses. And um, that's that's just great design, I think, um, to be able to, you know, to target an, an enthusiast, but where the general public can enjoy the car. I think that's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I presented a whole bunch of requests for that car, basically, when they asked. And, okay, I want to hear your requests, some of those. But uh, the, the thing that they really took in, which I really appreciate, and I don't think it was just me that sent the same thing, probably other people, but, you know, as an A86 guy, right, I, yep. mean, I, I wanted a car that can drive to the racetrack with four tires, jack, mm-hmm. two helmets, and a toolbox Yeah, in the car. Yeah. Right, so I wouldn't have to have another minivan following me full of junk. Right, because that's what A86 was capable of. It had that big rear hatch, and yeah. just you know load up all my gear, yeah, get to the track, drive the heck out of it, and then drive home with all that stuff back in the car. Right. Know? So, yeah, that 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 when the FRS came out and I looked at the shape, it's completely different, right? Yeah. Low-slung, mm. wide-body car. And I'm like, wow, how, you know. But then when we popped the trunk and folded the seat and I yeah. got my own car and I started putting all this stuff in there. It's like, oh, my God, this is exactly to the T. I could right. just fit a toolbox, four tires, four right. jack, two helmets. Right. And I got a passenger. Right. <laughs> and a passenger. And that's yeah. not, that's that was way easier in the Hachiroku because you were running, you know, 14-inch wheels and they're, yeah, they're yeah. a lot smaller. Now they, they come, what, 17 17s. Yeah. Or 18s if you get yeah. the option. And those are big. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, a lot of the oversized tires wouldn't fit, but... Um, Common track size, like a stock is a 215 width, yeah. um, 235, 245, it can still fit. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, Moto, is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't discuss? Um, I could probably go on and on and on, but uh, <laughs> I, I just wanted to make sure that, that, that I mentioned on, on the recording that I really appreciate this opportunity. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, since I did anything that kind of, you know, addressed the public, I guess, or an audience yeah. in any way. A lot of my operations have been more covert. Uh, yeah. You know, in, in consulting, a lot of it's in secrecy, especially with the, before the launch of the 86. Yeah. So, so it's, it's kind of nice. To yeah. I, I definitely appreciate your willingness to come on because I know when I first reached out to you, 
Um, you said that um, you generally deny people that request interviews with you. So the fact that you came on our podcast to do this with us, it, it means a lot. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, in, in some ways, I think, I think you all agree too that, you know, a lot of these memories are precious. Mm. And you know, I don't feel comfortable talking about this unless it was somebody that shared that era yeah. with me. Yeah. That, that. So. Yeah, we spent a lot of time with you, Moto. <laughs> <laughs> From the crack of dawn to, you know. We sure the did. Crack sure. Of dawn. Yeah. Well, we got Nadine and I and Mark, we all had a lot of sunburns with you. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 you know, we didn't walk out with one cent. Right. Out of it, but yeah, all the, the great memories and, and, yeah. and the accomplishments, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's the backbone of of like who we are today is is what we learn from driving your events and just having the experience of of legal drifting, like sanctioned drifting, and and how many doors that open for for both Benson and I, especially because of like all our time and competing and with the sponsorships and um, the new people that we got to meet. I mean, to this day, like Benson's still traveling and judging drifting competitions and people, I mean, he's, everyone loves you. But then it's like, I'm thinking if we didn't have drift day, yeah, man, like what kind of drifter would you be? Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't have started drifting pretty because I would have never met Yoshie and right. I would have never kind of caught that drifting bug because it was different at speed trial when I was was grip driving and just yeah. it was it was a different animal so. but but also with drift day you take take the cars out of it right and um you it whittles down to um that service mentality that that you gave us to you know like you said we didn't get paid to do that yeah. um but we were doing something um and it made us feel good at the end of the day to help someone uh, feel like they did their first drift or they finished their very first track day that they never thought they would be able to do. Um, and just, you know, working our butts off for, um, to make other people happy, you know, and, and yeah. you see what Nadine does today and she, she still, you know, she's still, um, she does that with her photography. She does that with drifting pretty. Um, we do that with, with this podcast and mm -hmm. the drifting pretty podcast. And, um, I think your events allowed us to to learn the value of that. All roads lead back to to you. Yeah, you were the standard, and and we went on to do the two forty SX uh, national convention, and we kind of had like drift day in mind, and we did drifting pretty events, and we always modeled it after what we learned from you know sure. being involved with your events motto so yeah. you influenced us so yeah. that's being influential so there's a bunch of girl drifters <laughs> like wandering around the u.s because of drift day yeah <laughs> helped us do. that's right <laughs> it was an even playing field back then it was easy peasy to just sign up for drift day online so thank you for that we really appreciate Always you motto. Be grateful. yeah thanks. thank you <laughs> Being showered with thanks today. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's what we do but here. I should be uh, thanking you. Um, yeah. We're more thankful. We you've done more for us than we've done for you. <laughs> so all right. Plus we outnumber you, Moto. So Yeah. You got three thank yous at this table plus <laughs> the millions of people listening to this podcast. Okay. Well, let's just thank each other, all four <laughs> of us. Yeah. yeah. I like um, that. We were all in it together. <laughs> we were. Yeah. We were. None of, it, right. none of it would have happened if all of us made it happen. So. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. It was all meant to be, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so, Moto, I appreciate the time that you spent um, out of your out of your day, out of you know all the millions of projects that you're always uh, working on. No, I'm actually quite. Uh, I have a lot of leisure time now. Oh, really? Days, yeah. Oh, good. After after Corona, everything just kind of dried up. So. Oh, well. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's a blessing in disguise, it, right? It is. It, it really was. Yeah. It really was. So, but it, new projects now. It's been a really long time since we've seen you, um, but you're the same. You look the same. You act oh, the likewise. same. Yeah. Um, okay, you, always... you have a very youthful energy to you. You you always have, um, <laughs> and so you know, it, it was great to see you. Um, thank you. For, you know, like like we've said for for everything that you've done, um, but it was a great time, and it it's. You know, wonderful catching up with you. I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, that that was good. I think uh, seven years is a long time, but you know, with the social media, it's like it's, it doesn't feel like seven years because yeah. you can always find where you are and what you're up to. True, <laughs> true. But you know, to to have this uh, yeah. dedicated time to just yeah. reminisce, um, yeah. it's always really nice. We gotta go get a Jack in the Box one of these. Yes. Okay. Just, just yes. like that. That's right. Just like, like from Drift Day. Yeah. The one you down the street minutes. from Irwindo. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. yeah. I drive your... by that all the time. It's still there. <laughs> you got to okay. have it when it's cold. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. Cold burgers. Yeah. Yes. 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 We'll eat in the dining room for sure. <laughs> all right, guys. We're going to close out this episode. And if you guys want to follow Moto, if you're not already following, which I'm sure you already are, because Moto's quite the guy. Please follow Moto on Instagram at Moto underscore Club 4AG. And you can find him on Facebook at Moto.Club4AG. And please follow us on Instagram at Saladymania. And you can visit our website at podcast.saladymania.com. And please make sure to tune into our YouTube channel and we will be showing this episode and, you know, the video version. And we'll see if it worked out. Right, guys? <laughs> and please leave a message on our hotline. You can leave us your questions or comments and tell us about the first time you fell in love with drifting. Leave your message or text us at 323-607-6075. 323-607-6075. And we'll see you in the next one. Thank you.